0: Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Audra Simons and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon, here with my co-host, Audra Simons. Audra.
1: Hey, Rachel. Hi. How you doing? I'm
0: well. Where in the world is Audra today? Because you're clearly not where you usually are.
1: I, I am in deepest, darkest, wettest London today. So, so some of my meetings have driven me to the center of the country. And um, so uh, amongst the rain and the wind and no snow yet, but it, it's charming. It's a good thing it's a podcast because you cannot see how the rain got me this morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we are one today. It is raining in Texas as well. So uh, I feel like we have the London weather, um, and so there's kinship between you and I today, Audra. I love it. I love Dampness
1: it. and kinship. That's right.
0: <laughs> so... I am so excited because critical infrastructure, right, is such a hot topic, and we have an awesome guest today, uh, David Travers. He serves as the director of water infrastructure and cyber resilience division at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. He manages a team of engineers and scientists in providing tools, training, and direct technical assistance to the 152,000. Let that sink in. Drinking water systems and 16,000 water systems, wa- wastewater systems in the U.S. David, welcome.
2: Hi. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to discuss uh, the important work we're doing in uh, protecting the water sector from cyber
1: attacks.
0: Absolutely. Audra, let's kick us
1: Excellent. off. Well, David, welcome. Um, I wanted to kick off like you giving a little bit of an education to our audience mm-hmm. around kind of why water infrastructure systems are getting targeted by ransomware.
2: Sure. Um, in terms of the... the the premise of your question, I, I would say that the majority of cyber attacks against water systems do, in fact, involve um, ransomware, uh, which can be, as I'm sure you and your listeners are aware, can be highly disruptive to, you know, utility, uh, business and and communication um, processes, um, but usually uh, does not interrupt um, uh, water service. Um the attacks are are commonly, you know, executed as as we've observed through phishing um, and, and social engineering schemes, among other reasons, which probably makes water systems not unique. Um, uh, those are the common vectors of, of access. Um, in terms of the the, the why, um, that is a, a as I said, an excellent question. I think the um, Appeal uh, of the of the water sector, um, the common recognition that water is critical to any community. It's hard to imagine uh, any you know small city, you know, ranging to to a, a large town or, or going back to like a rural area being viable. Right in the absence of drinking water, when you turn on your tap, you expect water, whether it's for drinking or bathing, brushing your teeth, whatever. Um, and then similarly, on on, on the down um, riverside, so to speak, is, are the wastewater services, which are are equally important. So um, I think um, the majority of ransomware attacks are just opportunistic. Um, I, I think they involve um, just criminals um, and others. Uh, intending to do ill, just exploiting vulnerabilities uh, across uh, all the, there are 16 critical infrastructure sectors, uh, just across the sectors, um, looking for um, uh, opportunities to to make money. Um, and so it's hard to say to what degree those ransomware attacks are actually directed towards water systems, which, as I said, have an appeal. Um, because they're so critical to any community, but but the majority of ransomware attacks are are likely random uh, in nature and, and and opportunistic. Now we know that that a number of ransomware attacks um, uh, originate in in Russia with either tacit support or express it, explicit support um, from the Russian government, and we know uh, from public reporting from the Department of Homeland Security. That uh, Russia has targeted and is, is what's known as trying to pre-position themselves on, on critical infrastructure. So uh, it ranges from, like I said, these opportunistic criminal enterprises to, um, you know, state-sponsored uh, uh, intrusions. Um, so I hope that sort of answered your question.
1: It, it does. It does. So the one thing, though, in, in looking at this area, recent months um, have actually brought about a significant increase in ransomware attacks um, on the water sector. Is it just because cause they're out for the cash and they're just sending to anyone and there's the opportunism? It's just purely you're getting more people opening Emails they shouldn't and clicking on links um, in the industry, or is it, is it more than that? Is, there, is it now more focused on the water industry?
2: Yeah, that's a, another great question. I mean, various respective sources in the intelligence community, um, just to endorse the premise of your question again, have definitely attested to the increased frequency of, of cyber attacks. I've seen estimates anywhere of, you know, three to a a sevenfold increase relative to where we were just a couple of years ago. Um, But if I could, I'd like to address, you know, kind of the evolving nature of of these attacks. Um, But before we do that, I I think the first thing to understand about the prevalence of cyber attacks, not only in the water sector, but um, potentially in other sectors as well, is that we are, as a nation, are aware only – Uh, of a a modest fraction of total cyber incidents within the the water sector. Um, And as I said, across other sectors as well, um, water and wastewater systems are just not required to report cyber incidents, at least by federal law. Um, there might be state laws that, that have those requirements, um, but but probably only a handful. And so many systems do not report such incidents. And this is important because we are aware of, as the federal government being the we, um, of of just a a, 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 um, a small proportion, I think, of the total number of cyber attacks against critical infrastructure. So when we cite these numbers, such as like I just said, a, you know, three to seven fold increase, um, it's almost anecdotal uh, in nature. Um, but uh, yes, there there has definitely been an increase, and I think it involves the uh, lucrative nature of it. Um, as as you cited in the in the question, um, as more people have come to 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 um, kind of recognize the money that can be made, um, the use of cryptocurrency um, as the common, um, you know, currency uh, used for um, you know extracting a, a ransom um, from from victims. Um, the increased accessibility of that, and then you th- layer in on top of those things, which again are the more opportunistic criminal enterprises. Um, these uh, state-sponsored intrusions, which account for you know some proportion of 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 attacks, as as either state-sponsored or, or state-endorsed or the state itself um, might be looking to you know, probe uh, critical infrastructure sectors for um, vulnerabilities, which, which actually is a, is a segue to, to the fact that the water sector, we believe, is you know, highly vulnerable to cyber attacks because of the prevalence of use of uh, operational technology systems in the system, uh, across the sector and the, um, um, the vulnerabilities um, uh, within many water and wastewater systems.
0: I mean, just for context, David, too, I mean, I, I think for our listeners' sake, um, I was reading somewhere that, you know, today 97% of the private water systems are serving, right, 10,000 or fewer communities. Is is that accurate?
2: Yeah, it's 97% of, of public water systems, which are those 150,000 Or so systems you mentioned um, at the beginning of the podcast serve less than, Mm -hmm. fewer than than 10,000 people. So the majority are are smaller systems. Absolutely. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's really good contract. Sorry, Audra. Go ahead.
1: No, you're, you're. Honor, Good. Um, What I wanted to know is could you actually share any real world examples of like any like state attacks as far as we're aware or cyber attacks that have actually impacted on surrounding communities?
2: Sure. I I think um, in terms of state attacks, uh, you have to go international um, to some degree. Um, in that, um, you know, we are aware, um, I think you, you mentioned, uh, Rachel, an incident in, in Italy. Um, there have been um, state-sponsored attacks. Uh, this is timely uh, against Israel, um, specifically Israeli water systems. Um, for uh, domestically, uh, again, we know that states such as Russia and China, um, perhaps Iran, um, uh, North Korea, they are seeking um, to pre-position themselves on our critical infrastructure, which means that um, you know, they would have access to the operational technology of the water systems. And, and sorry, I'm, I'm, if, if I'm using a term that's maybe unfamiliar to you your listeners, let me know. Operational technology are, are, are simply the um, you know, the hardware and software that are used to control um, virtually all aspects of water system operations, from pulling water, for example, from a river or a well, to treating it and then to pumping it out and storing it in the in the system. So um, um, there are uh, opportunities to uh, disrupt those services, which as you could imagine, would have, you know, we take water for granted in this country. um, And you can imagine if there was a disruption of that and it was attributed to a foreign state, that would have an enormous impact on the public psyche um, and maybe our willingness um, to um, uh, engage with these state adversaries. Um, So um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a significant um, uh, concern uh, for the the water sector, and, and which is why EPA, you know, offers, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, uh, uh, just an array of of tools and technical assistance to help these water systems defend from from those types of um, advanced persistent threats, as as well as internal threats. I, w- I will say there was a, since you asked about um, specific incidents um, involving cybersecurity in the water sector. Um, uh, a really notable one that comes to mind is an is an incident in, in Kansas where an employee was uh, fired, and then um, um, the system neglected to revoke that in, that uh, individual's remote access credentials, and so um, the person hacked back into the system. Well, didn't hack back in actually, just used their existing credentials and actually took the water um, treatment. Process the the treatment train uh, down, um, you know, disrupting service um, to that community. Um, and there are a number of incidents. There was there was another one that that was um, revealed a, a few weeks ago involving a system in California where there was a contractor working for a utility, and that individual, after retiring, not being fired this time, just retiring, um, decided to uninstall the operating system at the water system, which, again, control you know, pumps, treatment, uh, et cetera, the things that are needed to operate the water system. So unfortunately, there are many examples of, of um, uh, 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 cyber attacks, um, either cause potentially causing disruption or, or disrupting water services in the, in the U.S.
0: And I think the California example you mentioned, David, um, he had installed that while he was working there. That's I mean, correct. this is like playing the long sure. game, right? Yep. And then, you know, time goes by, he's, you know, he leaves the company, he's, you know, oh, you know what, <laughs> let me just go and and execute that. That is crazy. Yeah, and I,
2: I hesitate Absolutely. to speculate on his motivation, but you are correct. He, right. he did install kind of um, um, software on his own private computer that would Later, enable him to connect to the water systems com- computer. This is in Discovery Discovery Bay, California water system, um, and and um, proceed to uninstall the the system. Fortunately, the system managed you know did not compromise uh, service because because they responded well to the incident. But um, um, you know those incidents clearly are are of concern. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So considering the state of operational technologies and very maybe vulnerabilities within them um, what are what are we doing to actually help protect the water companies what what kind of what kind of safety nets are there how are we helping to proactively start removing maybe some of the vulnerabilities or being able to alert if someone kind of goes in and tries to uninstall an operating system or things like that. What what kind of things are in place?
2: Sure. I and I think it's worth noting since we've been talking about these incidents. Uh, it's worth noting here a recurring theme which is that you know these incidents have made clear that many water systems unfortunately have not implemented basic Cybersecurity best practices, such as you know, software patches and, and network access controls, as we were just talking about, and that these you know gaping security deficiencies leave water systems vulnerable to these potentially disabling cyber attacks. Um, and so, what EPA? Um, I'm not sure if, if if you or your your audience is aware of this, but Um, the federal government has identified these 16 critical critical infrastructure sectors and, um, you know, such as water, um, healthcare, uh, emergency services, uh, energy, um, and so forth. And each of these sectors has something called a sector risk management uh, agency or or SRMA, uh, which serves as the federal lead agency uh, responsible for Um, enhancing uh, that sector's security and resilience against all hazards, whether malevolent malevolent acts like we've just been talking about, natural disasters, climate change, and and so forth. And so by um, this presidential directive, EPA, which is why you're talking to me, serves as this sector risk management agency for the water sector, which includes both drinking water and, and wastewater. Um, systems. And so one of the things that that we do as an office, particularly with respect to cybersecurity, is provide uh, critical tools and, and training for the sector. So just one example is we offer the cybersecurity evaluation program whereby EPA will have one of our contractors conduct a cybersecurity assessment at a utility um, and then provide that utility with a risk management plan so that the system understands, hey, what are the significant cyber risks facing my system? And what are the measures that that we can implement to uh, mitigate that risk? Um, so that is a, a, an important program that we offer, um, particularly for smaller systems that might be too daunted to even begin a cybersecurity assessment. Because when you think of cybersecurity, you think, oh, gosh, it's going to be hopelessly complicated and incredibly expensive. And part of our mission at EPA is to convince water systems that cybersecurity uh, need not be either of those things, that through a relatively simple list of questions and through largely procedural changes, um, you can significantly mitigate the risk of, of cybersecurity. Um, so, we, you know, we just talked about the individual who was fired or the contractor who got back into the system. Um, um, so, a, you know, common procedure could be to revoke the uh, access credentials of individuals who no longer work for the utility. Um, and it's not implementing some crazy expensive uh, mitigation measure that would cost tens of thousands of dollars a month. Um, but but sometimes just procedural uh, matters. So, so that is an, an important part of, of what we at EPA do. And we offer a variety of services and I, I'll, I can certainly go through um, all of them, but I think it would be pretty excruciating <laughs> if I did so. But, but there are other tools and, and uh, things we call tabletop exercises where we walk utility through, okay, you've just um, uh, lost use of your uh, operational technology system, uh, your ability to control your system remotely, You know what will you do now? Who will you contact uh, internal and external to utility to help you out? So um, we take our, our mission with respect to cybersecurity very seriously. And fortunately, we're not alone because um, the um, uh, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency over at the Department of Homeland Security um, has... Uh, also offers a, a great deal of services, and we often partner with them in promoting cybersecurity in the sector, and uh, we partner with owners and operators in the sector um, and their associations to promote um, uh, tools that either the water associations have, CISA has, EPA has, um, to let them know that collectively we we are responsible for improving cybersecurity in the, in the country. Right.
1: So, considering that ransomware generally is dependent on someone doing something, like someone has to click on something, someone has to open something, then then that can be human error, that can be all sorts of different things, or curiosity, it could be known as as well. Um, What kind of support are you offering to help people become educated on this? Because it's going to be employees that actually... Are kind of form the first line of defense when it comes to dealing with ransomware.
2: That's that's completely accurate. In that, even the most sophisticated water system with you know a billion dollar plus budget um, and many employees and an excellent uh, cybersecurity program. Um, can be a victim if not all of its employees are aware of the threat of cybersecurity. And so what we uh, encourage um, at EPA and what a Water Association CISA encourages um, is to conduct training of staff so that they understand that, again, we have this collective responsibility for protecting these critical services from cyber attacks and, um, um, uh, you know every employee uh, needs to play a role in that, and I think that that is um, particularly important because, especially with ransomware attacks and phishing, um, I'm just going to pull back a little bit and, and say that you know, as ransomware attacks, they generally target right the the IT or, or business enterprise side of utilities water utilities and and other victims, right? So for water utilities, that means things like, you know, billing, uh, accounting, maybe their internal email systems, customers, personal information, where you live, how much you're you're being billed for, for for water. Um, And ever since the first notable ransomware attack, and you may remember, and your listeners may remember the WannaCry incident in 2017, which was perpetrated as we understand it by North Korea. You know, IT systems have borne the brunt of of ransomware attacks. But, and this is a really important point, you know, recent incidents at water systems and high profile attacks, such as you may remember the Colonial Pipeline um, incident, the JBS meat processing um, incident. They underscore how an attack that can be initiated on the IT side of the house can affect the operational technology or the the OT side, right? So as we said, for the water sector, the OT side would mean the ability to deliver and, and treat safe drinking water or collect and treat wastewater. So that even if cyber attacks target IT systems and maybe originate with ransomware, they can adversely affect OT systems. So I'm mentioning this because just raising this awareness that, that yeah, you, you may be an employee in the accounts department or an HR, but if the system is not um, sequestering its IT from its OT systems, and we've seen this again in the water sector, um, you can actually have an impact on the water systems operations. So training um, and awareness are critical components of any water systems cybersecurity
0: program. Definitely. So can I ask a quick question too? And, and I'm kidding, not kidding, right? Um, It seems that this connectivity to the internet is a problem. I mean, is, is there a world where we ever go back to manual, uh, where we just come offline and, and mitigate the threat that way? Or, or, you know, I I know that sounds crazy, but you kind of get to a point where there's just so many vulnerability vectors, Um, You know, do we is an answer taking some things offline and and keeping others on or I just try to get creative problem solving. No,
2: I understand. (laughs) And and actually, one of the basic countermeasures we recommend to utilities, and this is not available to all utilities, but we believe it's it's available to most is. And I mentioned this um, when we conduct our tabletop exercise. um, Can you operate your water system on manual? Can you operate it without? um, your SCADA system, as it's called, your supervisory control and data acquisition system. Um, um, can you, can you operate your system, you know, without, you know, these internet facing devices and, um, without the, the operational technology, that hardware and software that you would ordinarily use to operate your, your system. So it is, you are correct. It is an important part of, of, uh, having a cyber emergency response plan, which is something we encourage all utilities to have. Now, having said that, you know, it's 2023, cyber, um, you know, IT and OT systems are so firmly embedded in how we operate just virtually every aspect of critical infrastructure, right? Think of, you know, your car, right? I mean, I have an EV. Um, It's, it's, (laughs) it's, Not, I wouldn't say it's frightening to to see how much that that car is dependent on the internet and the possibility of it being hacked. But 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 it's it's just pervaded every aspect of our lives, right? I'm sure we all have um, iPhones or equivalents and and our dependence on on that. And similarly, water systems have you know relied or do currently rely on you know operational technology and IT systems to operate their systems. Uh, efficiently. Uh, You got to think that a lot of these systems are dispersed over, you know, in some instances, hundreds of miles. And so in order to operate their system, um, you know, it's important to pull in information from the treatment plant, from the intake, you know, are the pumps cycling on and off? You know, how full is the storage tank? Um, all this information needs to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, obtained, accumulated, assessed so that the operator can um, ensure that the water system is meeting the needs of its customers and, and both quantity and, and quality. So, in other words, this, this, you know, technology has been so firmly embedded in how water systems uh, operate, it's it's hard to extricate it. Now, you could during an emergency operate on manual, but long term, it's really unsustainable. And a lot of the smaller rural water systems, you know, we mentioned those earlier in the conversation, you know, sometimes you'll have a single operator responsible for multiple water systems just for cost savings mm-hmm. purposes, right? Sure. These are not generally, you know, incredibly wealthy communities. And if nothing else, they don't have the economies of scale to, to have an operator for their plants. So they might have one operator for multiple plants. And the only way that's feasible is if that operator has remote access to those water systems because they need to know, hey, is you know, the chlorinator functioning, Is are the, you know, wells functioning, are the tanks full, that sort of thing. So so we, I think that the sector has embraced Uh, rightfully, um, you know, this IT and and OT dependency. But because of of that um, embracing of the technology, there's an an equal responsibility to ensure that that technology is is protected. And and again, there are a lot of procedural steps that can be taken to protect that, that technological infrastructure without forsaking the infrastructure Entirely, uh, which would which would create all sorts of challenges for operators. That that hopefully my uh, rambling response um, provided you and your listeners with an understanding of how important that that <laughs>
0: infrastructure
2: is to water Absolutely. systems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So, thinking from a wider perspective, ransomware is obviously a problem, but the wider cybersecurity issues that that these operators face. Um, have they ever considered going to air gap? You know, and actually kind of splitting up their networks to give a true separation from IT to OT, um, to try and kind of increase security from that perspective.
2: Yes, another. It's like you're reading from our playlist here. Another um, um, basic measure we recommend is 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 having separation between the IT and OT system. The challenge that we found is not all water systems, in fact, potentially the majority of water systems have not conducted an inventory of their IT and OT systems, which means there's not always an understanding of how their IT and OT systems are, in fact, interconnected. Um, so that they need to take that basic steps be- step before um, uh, air gapping uh, or, or sequestering the IT from the OT side, because um, what we found is that, again, some of these ransomware attacks originated on the o- IT side. And then, oh no, the water system discovers um, the IT side is actually uh, controls all our communication at the utility, which in turn um, controls our ability to collect information from, from throughout the system. So we had an incident, um, a couple incidents, I remember in, in Pennsylvania and Ohio, where there was a ransomware attack on the IT side. And that prevented the water utility from receiving alarms um, from the pumps at the wells. And so they had to send operators out there to do it manually. And it prevented another utility from uh, using um, um, kind of a central place to uh, a remote um, uh, access to its treatment system. So they actually had to have operators on site. Uh, running their water system, as opposed to, as I said, sometimes um, operators like to do that or need to do that remotely. Um, so, so yes, that that is another important um, component of a cybersecurity program, but a lot of water utilities need assistance in even getting to the point where they can sequester it because they don't even know what assets are, in fact, internet facing, and they don't know how their IT system is actually connected to their OT system either.
1: So is this where you randomly find like a firewall somewhere in your network that you didn't know was there? I experienced that a long time ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love for them to randomly f- find firewalls um, because oftentimes, uh, well, I can't say oftentimes, but but it's not infrequently that we see that, that those firewalls don't in fact even exist. Um, so... Um, uh, yeah, um, the 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 the, <laughs> the issue that we're struggling with, and and that maybe I'm dancing around, is is really the water sector has, I think, struggled to really, by its own admission, um, they conducted a, a, a the industry conducted a survey of itself in 2021, and the number one impediment to adopt adopting cybersecurity programs, and even at larger systems, right? These are systems serving over 100,000 people. Is is simply the lack of uh, cybersecurity culture at the utility. It's it's just not you know utilities are dealing with. You think of your average utility; they're dealing with aging infrastructure. You know, some of the pipe in our countries you know well over one hundred years old and and deteriorating. Um, they're they're dealing with um, you know demographic changes: people coming in or, or leaving the area, expanding or, or shrinking, losing or gaining you know economic. Um, Vitality in the community. They're dealing with regulatory compli- compliance, ensuring that the water meets safety standards. They're dealing with all sorts of workforce issues. So um, layering cybersecurity on top of that um, can be a challenge for a lot of water utilities. And, and some of them are like me, right? When I when I went to to graduate school and learned how to design water and wastewater systems, cybersecurity wasn't part of of, of my education. I'm uh, in my 50s. And a lot of uh, people in the, who operate water and wastewater plants are probably of a similar uh, age and, and level of experience um, and wisdom as I am. But the, the downside of that is they didn't necessarily learn cybersecurity as part of their education. And so it's considered not an inherent part of operating their water systems. And it's, it's that culture that Um, EPA, working with water associations, owners, operators, and CISA, you know, are are trying to change that, that it should be part of the culture. Just as you put a, you know, a padlock on your storage tank so somebody can't open it up and, and throw something in there, you know, you need to do the same thing on the, the, you know, IT and and OT side as well. Um, And it has been a, uh, something of a, of a of a challenge that we're working collectively to try to overcome. But that that lack of a cybersecurity culture um, is definitely um, uh, challenging because a lot of water systems don't move off of step one <laughs> to, to assessing cybersecurity uh, vulnerabilities and, and then of course doing something to mitigate them.
0: So can I ask a, a question then too, in where we kind of look at the attraction of critical infrastructure particularly water systems, um, you know, for uh, malicious attacks. I mean, are, are we at a place, too, where, you know, you have to have, like, your ransomware budget? Is is that becoming kind of part and parcel of, of how they operate? Because I, I think a lot of these gangs, right, they'll take a look at, okay, well, here's your operating budget. Here's probably what you could afford. You know, if you're rural, maybe it's $20,000. If you're larger, like New York, maybe it's a million dollars. I don't know. Um, but is is that just having, is, is that, pat line item for budgets ahead for, for water systems is need to start thinking that way.
2: Well, I believe the official policy of the United States is the government <laughs> is that individuals should not pay uh, ransomware. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. um, so I will, I will not deviate from that. <laughs> However, I would encourage water systems to, to look at what they might be paying in ransomware, whether it's, it's, um, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. I believe the city of Baltimore was struck by a ransomware attack. And, and mm-hmm. I think the the malevolent um, act, actors were asking for maybe $600,000. It was a sizable sum of money. And, and the city ended up declining to pay for that. And as a result, they had to spend um, significantly more than that on essentially um, um, restoring its its IT services uh, in the in the city, and so what we're encouraging is is don't set aside money for ransomware. Uh, uh, set a you know set aside a budget to support a cybersecurity program so that you are not a victim of ransomware in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, now. Water systems can also, um, and and other critical infrastructure owners can buy actually buy insurance related to ransomware, yep. but but that insurance, um, because of the sheer prevalence, right, of, of ransomware, is becoming increasingly expensive, and um, increasingly requires that the policyholder have basic cybersecurity practices. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the you know, reduce the chances that they'll be a, a victim. So uh, even if you go for insurance um, and, and don't want to adopt a cybersecurity program, uh, the insurance company is likely to require you to adopt uh, some sort of cybersecurity measures. So, so yes, use that ransomware um, money that you might set aside to actually invest in, in prevention as, as opposed to paying uh, money to a, a criminal enterprise.
1: I think good that's points. a very good recommendation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent. That's
1: so am I allowed to ask my favorite question now?
0: Yes, yes, please do.
1: Okay, excellent. So um, David, one morning when say you were seven years old, did you wake up and think, I know what I wanna be when I grow up. I wanna be director of water infrastructure and cyber resilience divisions at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Did that happen or has it been a different kind of path?
2: Um, so it was probably a different path insofar as when I was seven, I was probably thinking, you know, how I could get money from my parents to buy candy. That was probably <laughs> the extent of my uh, intellectual capability back then. Um, my, my path um, to where I am today is a somewhat tortuous one. Um, um, and I, I wrote, regale you with, with the the details. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, oh, it's, it's hard to say. I actually started college as a, um, I was a, a classics major, um, at my alma mater, the University of Chicago. Um, and so was intending to be a historian or archeologist, um, but then realized I should probably acquire the skills to actually make a living. Um, So I went to um, uh, uh, kind of a, I I picked up a master's of of public health after spending, I'd spent a a gap year um, working uh, for the United Nations in Nairobi, Kenya and uh, working on water and wastewater issues and just became uh, enamored with the, uh, problem of, uh, adequate water. Um, uh, something that, you know, we, I've spoken about this before, uh, earlier is, is something we just take for granted in this country. Um, and so I went to, to graduate school, um, picked up a master's of public health and later a, a PhD in environmental engineering. Um, and then, um, with my interest in, in, in water systems and wastewater systems, Um, Also had uh, maybe an antiquated sense of um, public service Um, and so thought that working for the federal government would be an excellent opportunity for me to um, bring my expertise um, to uh, federal uh, policy and perhaps make a difference on a, a national level. Um, and and so I started out doing uh, assessments of drinking water infrastructure um, under this um, uh, multi billion dollar program we have at EPA called the State Revolving Fund, which which gives money to, to water systems to improve their um, you know, water quality and 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 just their operations. Um, and then after after nine eleven. Um, Um, I uh, pivoted uh, to working on on homeland security issues. And and initially uh, we had a focus on, you know, physical terrorism, you know, understandably, given the the, frankly, the trauma of of 9-11 on the nation. Um, And then we had the 2005 hurricane season. So we shifted to, oh, we we need to increase our our understanding of, of threats to include natural disasters. Um, and and then we had um, you know there's a realization that, that climate change um, could affect uh, water systems uh, in terms of drought and and the opposite flooding and, and so many a sea level rise um, and and um, of course we had covid uh, which affected um, uh, the supply chain really disrupted supply chain and that included supply chain for water systems and and then Thrown in that mix was cybersecurity, um, which became another of the threats that we had to deal with. And, and so that's how I became um, um, kind of vested, I guess, in the whole notion of, of cybersecurity for the, the water systems um, of this country. So, as I said, a, a fairly tortuous path, but
1: but that's uh, that's how I arrived here.
0: Sounds fascinating. Well, a very though, noble the... direction. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You know, and it's, I, I love this idea of public service too. You know, I, I started out that way and it, it reminds me too of our conversation, Audra, with Josh Corman. Um, he stood up this foundation called I Am the Cavalry, right? And, and the power that one person can have, you know, when they, they have a, a passion or a conviction for something and, and particularly being in government, right? How do you change things unless it's from the inside out? So I, I applaud your public service because it's it's so critical if we're ever going to make any meaningful changes. Oh, thank sure. you.
2: I, I appreciate that. And, and I hasten to add that, that I am only as, I guess, influential or, or impactful as my colleagues within the division, because that's where the actual expertise on things like cybersecurity and uh, emergency response and contamination events lie. So it's it's the good news is, is it's it's certainly not just me with a public commitment. Um, my my colleagues within the division have a, a similar level of, of commitment. And, um, I, I, it frankly makes me feel proud of the degree to which the federal government has managed to recruit these excellent individuals who, who work for, for all of us and, and who are, uh, determined that, you know, in, in the case of my division, that, that water systems continue to operate no matter what the, the challenge. So hopefully, you know, these are interesting times we live in, but but hopefully that provides some reassurance to, to you and your listeners that there are these individuals 100% committed to the, the task at, at hand, which is is protecting water and wastewater systems from all sorts of hazards.
0: Well, we appreciate it. It's because you're right. We all take it for granted. Yeah, um, absolutely. My grandma used to have a well out back and I won't We'll tell you what that was like when we tried to wash clothes. I mean, so I love I love my water. I love my city of water. <laughs> and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful because it it takes a village. Well, David, thank you so much. This is I, I love learning so many new things. That's what I love cybersecurity. You get to learn something new every single day. And thank you for sharing all these amazing insights with our listeners.
2: Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Audra. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners today.
0: Fantastic. So to all of our listeners out there, thank you again for joining us. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. You can get David's episode directed right to your email inbox every Tuesday. So until next time, everyone, be safe. Thanks for joining us for the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher.